listening to Nats Talk on the go, the longest-running Washington Nationals podcast going today, with your hosts Joe Drugan and Craig McHenry. Joe and Craig, let's do it. Hi, Craig. Everything is totally normal and nothing weird just happened. No. Welcome to Nats Talk on the Go, episode whatever the hell we're on. 113. Oh, lucky 113. There yeah. we go. Oh, 13, you son of a bitch. Yep. Uh, First yeah. time. Uh, I'm sorry. Nothing has been weird. Um, that's what she said jokes. N- nice. Yeah, there was no terrible that's what she said jokes. There were no awkward references to weird things. We just started this totally normally. And we did not just do a 20-minute podcast uh, before we had technical difficulties, I promise. No. Uh, so this, this is the benefit is, of listening live. If you listen live... brand you new to... information. Exactly. <laughs> if, you get, if you listen live, you get in on the shenanigans. This is your incentive to listen live. There you go. Beautiful. Fantastic. So, Craig, what, <laughs> what do you want to start with? Well, let's talk about uh, how excited we are for our uh, our uh, big announcement next week. Oh, yes. I forgot. I totally forgot. That's how we started in the first place. We didn't uh, start anything in the first oh, place. Oh, that's right. This Sorry. Entirely... <laughs> very bad at this pretending nothing bad happened. Yes, you uh, are. So, yeah. So starting next week, to, in all seriousness, we've been talking for a long time. We've been teasing for a long time about a big announcement that we have coming before opening day. Uh so before opening next week, we're going to make an announcement uh, about all of the stuff that we've been teasing, all of the the stuff that you could do to maybe help us and how we can help you and how we could do some cool stuff to talk about baseball going into 2016 uh, and beyond and beyond, but how we can have regular conversations and, and, uh, and make sure that we're able to regularly connect and do, you know, mostly weekly podcasts throughout the baseball season. Um, so we're going to have some, some more details on that uh, next week. So, uh, as Craig said, we'll, or yeah, just go. <laughs> um, so we've got like, I don't know, 10 days left till the regular season starts. So let's maybe once again, uh, talk about things we're looking forward to. Um, uh, for those of you that were watching earlier, uh, the National- there was no earlier, Craig. No, no, no. Earlier in baseball land. Oh, okay. This is Joe, you're so bad at this. I'm so awful. I hate when things don't work. I am an IT professional. <laughs> Drives me crazy. Anyway. Yeah, some professional, right? Yeah, right? What a joke. Am I right, guys? Am I right, you guys? Hey. Um, no, the Nationals beat the Yankees 13 to nothing. Uh, Steven Strasburg started uh, 70 pitches, 52 strikes, nine strikeouts in, I believe it was five innings. So that's pretty good. And um, it's uh, Steven Strasburg's walk year. He is going to be a free agent in six and a half months after the Nationals win the World Series. Um, nice. Yeah, I dropped that in there this time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Steven Strasburg, one of the best pitchers in baseball in the second half last year. And it seems like not a lot of people are talking about how utterly dominant he was. And I believe you might've heard something on a podcast this past week that you can share with the class. Yes. Uh, so uh, effectively wild, which is a great baseball prospectus slash who show baseball prospectus and who I don't know. And, and uh, well, it used to be Ben Lindbergh of Grant. Oh, he's with 538. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's with 538 now, but it's still technically a baseball perspective podcast. Gotcha. So Sam, Sam Miller is the editor in chief 
I believe. Yes, I believe you're correct. Uh, but this week was the Washington Nationals uh, episode of the, of the show. So um, they had uh, Chelsea James and uh, James Wagner on. J-Wags. To, J-Wags to, to talk about Nationals baseball. And it was an interesting conversation. And I believe it was Sam Miller that brought up that Steven Strasburg in the second half of last year had a 1.9 earn run average in the second half. And it's something that people don't talk about because he struggled at the beginning uh, with uh, a spring training injury and he never got right until after he had, the, he uh, had a little, a little extra time off and he was awesome in the second half. Yeah, he was uh, really, 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 really good. And I'm wondering if that's the Steven Strasburg we should expect in his walk year. And if it is, how many of the Scrooge McDuck sized money pools is he going to get? Yeah, the answer is a lot. And I'm going to dig through some, some numbers here that I'm just now looking at for the very first time. Um, Steven Strasburg uh, made his major league debut in 2010. I was there. It was amazing. Uh, it was the June first... 8th, 2010. It's true. He was against uh, the Pirates and I believe. I'm pretty sure his first strikeout uh, was Lasting's Millage. Lasting's Thrillage. Yes. Um, and so since that debut, he's, he's missed quite a bit of time with injury. Uh, he's missed about 300 innings worth of time, probably, when you look at uh, comparable players who have played the same amount of time. So if you look at uh, starting pitchers since 2010, Steven Strasburg has, uh, is 20th in wins, Fangraph's wins above replacement. Um, when you consider he only pitched 776 innings during those five years and all but three other people in the top 20 pitched over a thousand. And yet he still is in that, that company. It is pretty impressive. Oh, by the way, other people in those numbers, Chris sale, Adam Wainwright and Cliff Lee. Uh, yeah. Uh, is not what I was, anymore. what, what I might've been trying to ask earlier was this is MLB wide. Yes. Yeah. No, not national league. This is major leagues. Yeah, this is this is all starting pitchers. Um, yeah, that's it, not bad. It's impressive. And then you look at the the rest of those, uh, the rest of his numbers and other numbers that kind of take away, you know, don't necessarily look at the fact that he had some injured time. Most obviously, most notably the Tommy John surgery. But if you look at his FIP, Steven Strasburg has the sixth best FIP in, in among starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. Since he entered major leagues at two point eight three, that's on his career. Um, oh, oh, is that all? And the only other guys above him are, you know, Clayton Kershaw, Clayton obviously. Clayton Kershaw, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then two and three, Matt Harvey and Jacob Degrom, and this is why we're talking about the Mets' ridiculously good starting rotation this year, by the way. Um, that's fantastic. And then Cliff Lee four who is no longer in baseball and Adam Wainwright five and then Steven Strasburg six. Yeah. Cliff Lee at four is wow. His, his career took a nosedive. It really did. Yeah. But yeah. he, it's still the, his career took a nosedive and was still that good. Yeah. Uh, life is a hell of a thing to happen to a person. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Mm. But then, uh, you know, one of my favorite numbers to look at, um, as far as pitcher success is strikeouts per nine, because uh, it is a fun stat to look at. Uh, I like fun stats. Th- any guess on since 2010 or 2000? Yeah. 2010. That's the, that's the year. Um, who the, who the number one K per nine person in major league baseball is. Uh, Just any uh, guesses? Kimbrel. 
No, uh, starting pitchers. Starting oh. Um, American League. Uh, it's going to be something weird like Keuchel. It is not. Uh, this guy missed all of last year with injury, basically. Yeah, I'm not going to get it. Texas Rangers. Oh, you Darvish. Yeah. You Darvish with a strikeout per nine above 11. Yeah, the, the Rangers are going to be silly, nasty good yeah. this year. But you with know, Ian Desmond in center field. Uh, yeah, he's that, which is going to be hilarious and good for him, obviously. But threw someone out at home today. I, I I saw something about that, but haven't seen it yet because you know we've been podcasting for a while, except not really. Um, <laughs> number long story short, strikeouts for nine. Steven Strasburg is two uh, with ten point four four strikeouts for nine. So you know more than a guy in inning he strikes out, which is pretty okay. Guys, guys below him, yes, below him. Chris Sale, Clayton Kershaw, Danny Salazar, which, what? Uh, Max, Scherzer, on, Max Scherzer, Corey Kluber, Jake DeGrom, Matt Harvey. So, um, Steven Strasburg is looking at, as you said, uh, a backed-up Brinks truck uh, yeah. this offseason. That it, was on the last podcast, Joe, that I said well, that. Uh, well, I'm bringing it back. I'm, this was you know, Scrooge McDuck-sized pool. This is there was no last podcast, correct? It was just that's very oh, true. God, this is pure crap. Oh, um, so uh, for those of you listening right now, uh, tell us what you're drinking, and I'll tell you what I'm drinking. <laughs> what so, are you drinking? So I'm drinking yeah. uh, uh, Champion out of Charlottesville. It's their IPA brewed with orange juice, grapefruit juice, and citrus zest. It's called Fruit Basket. Oh, yummy! It's pretty tasty, and I've got as a backup. Uh, some delicious Spanish lager. So. <laughs> I love it as a backup, just in case it goes long. Well, I grabbed a second backup while we might have been in somewhat of a technical delay. What? No, that didn't happen. Anyway, uh, Strasburg's going to get a lot of money. Do you think he gets more than Grinky? Uh, no. No? No. No. Is it because he doesn't have the awards? It doesn't have the awards, and he's got a Tommy John on his record. If he, well, I I would think that a Tommy John would actually uh, provide a little comfort that he's already and, had and it. that he's already had it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that. I feel like the breakdown of uh, Tommy John arms do break down. We've, we're starting to have more guys having second Tommy John surgeries. Well, that's um, just the Braves because they're terrible. Well, that is true. Um, uh, but no, I would lean on the side of I don't think Zach Granke money. I. I I'm thinking, I think pushing 200 million money. So Steven Strasburg has a sub two ERA, wins Cy Young, Nationals have a oh, stellar well, okay. season. So we're not, okay. So you're no, not, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm hypothetical land right now. Okay, gotcha, okay. For shenanigans, because gotcha. there hasn't been enough of those tonight. Uh, <laughs> he, she, Steven Strasburg wins the Cy Young this year. How much does he make? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Does he make Grinky money? Because he's, no. what, 30? Yeah, he's young. Um, I don't... Is he even 30? No, he won't be 30 by his free agent year, I don't think. Yeah, no, he won't be. He'll be, he'll be 28 this year. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so... Yeah, wow. Yeah, so... That question yeah. just got harder. So... Maybe okay. I still don't think I don't I don't think he breaks two ten. I don't. But Scherzer broke two ten. He's got Boris. Know. Yeah, 
I, I think he gets about Scherzer money, probably a little, a little bit younger plus Scott Boris. Um, but so maybe Scherzer money without the backloading. Okay. Like, cause, cause what did Scherzer's, uh, contract end up being worth 180 ish? Yeah. Around there. So I think he gets 200 ish, but without the deferral. Yeah, I don't think I think the deferral is the a tool the Nationals have used because of something we might discuss later. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, but yeah, uh, Strasburg I think is one of my most, I guess, things that I'm most intrigued about to watch this year. Yeah, um, and he's healthy. He's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, and that's a perfect actually lead in to the next thing I'm looking forward to uh, in the Nationals utter cleaning house after the season last year, the entire medical staff and conditioning staff got canned. Yep. They have an entire new staff, a focus on soccer style analytics in terms of health. Um, how much do you think this is going to come into play or do you think it will at all? Oh, I think it definitely will. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you're already seeing it in spring training. Um, and, you know, you can't read too much into spring training, but, and yes, the, the glut of injuries that the Nationals experienced in spring training last season was, was, you know, certainly some bad luck. You know, Steven Strasburg, I, I believe he slipped on a baseball. Like, I think it was something ridiculous like that uh, when he had his ankle issue. So you're going to have those kinds of weird things, but you're already seeing the health this spring, a week before the season ends. By this point last year, the Nationals had already lost Denard Span. They'd already lost Anthony Rendon. It was done. They were they were already gone for opening day. No, no, no. Anthony Rendon was day to day. Yeah, but <laughs> this, this is my point. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So they were gone, and I, I just feel like if it wasn't making a difference, we would have had something. Yeah, players players get hurt. Yes, that is inevitable. Like, the year in 2012 when the Nationals' entire starting rotation was healthy from for 162 games was just the most baffling thing ever because that never happens. Right. That will happen once in 20 years of a franchise, um, which was a lot of the reason they actually had the success that they had, obviously. But I think that it's already making a difference, uh, and I think it will continue to. There's only such... I mean, there's only a certain level to which you can prevent injuries, obviously. Right. Um, but I do think prolonging health before the inevitable injury is a significant thing and a, and a good thing to achieve because you're getting more innings from every guy on the field before they end up having that inevitable injury. Yes. What do you what, think? Uh, I really think it's going to make a difference because uh, if only for uh, a little bit more clarity and a little bit more openness uh from the organization in terms of actually what injuries are like, yeah you're you're talking about the like you said the day-to-day day-to-day for an entire spring training yeah which turns into a month and a half two months two and a half months three months yeah when it's a day-to-day injury i think i think just that and then the nationals had a lot of uh soft tissue injuries uh, hamstring pulls, oblique strains uh, in the past couple years that 
really, I think, I mean, obviously not an expert. I sell beer for a living, for God's sakes. Not an expert in the body. If you've seen me, I've got a dad bod on fleek. So, wow. Yeah, that just Stop happened. It. Just keep yeah. going. Um, so, I think that a little bit of maybe a stretching routine. I think there are things that can be done to prevent uh, all of the oblique injuries, all of the hamstring strains, quadricep strains, uh, turned ankles that the Nationals have really suffered from in the last several years, to be honest. Um, and I think getting Ryan Zimmerman healthy, keeping Anthony Rendon healthy, if those things can actually happen, it's going to make a huge difference in how the club performs. What does Ryan Zimmerman being healthy look like to you? Uh, 130 games. Okay, yeah. I was going to I was going to say 120. And yeah. and I and I think that would be awesome. Having Ryan Zimmerman for 120 games and hanging out with Clint Robinson for the other 40. I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> that that is a platoon that I am okay with. Um, if it means that Ryan Zimmerman plays 120 games like Ryan Zimmerman is capable of doing. Right. But I think the new, the new staff is something that no one's really talking about, but they really should be. Yeah. Because we haven't seen, knock on wood, uh, my head, um, any major injuries so far this spring. I mean, you saw, I think it was Joe Ross took a pitch off the heel or his a, heel, a comebacker yeah. off his heel. Yeah. And he ended up being fine, but um, there's a lot of luck that goes in that comes into a winning baseball team. A lot of luck that comes in terms of health, in terms of players having career years, and I mean, it's a fluky thing. But I think the Nationals can do a better job, and I am really encouraged by the start they've had this spring. Yeah, the the one injury that I, worth noting is Bronson Arroyo. Um, who had that rotator cuff tear turned bursa sac inflammation. I just like saying bursa sac. Yeah, that's what Bryce Harper had in his knee in 2012, in case you're, uh, you know, looking back on for, for a comp. So, uh, no, it's not as bad as a rotator cuff tear, but it's not a little deal either. Um, so I just feel like that's that little nugget is worth noting. Yeah. Um, For sure. The one thing I wanted to say before we get too far off um, from the Strasburg topic that I had a note and forgot to look down at my piece of paper for. Nice. Um, Steven, Dusty Baker has said that Steven Strasburg will be the third starter this year, not the second starter. Okay. And at first I was like, what? Because yeah. like, Gio Gonzalez will start the second game. And I was just like, what, what is happening here? And then I realized what it was. Steven Strasburg starting opening day at Nats Park. Okay. And to me, that's awesome. Yeah. I really – and this is the thing that – this is the gesture and the wherewithal that Dusty Baker has that Matt Williams will never have in, as a manager. Uh, unless he learns it from somebody like Dusty Baker. Yeah. Um, is that Matt Williams er, – Dusty Baker recognizes that there are – important pieces of pomp and circumstance and whether Strasburg is two or three does not really matter. He was, he was three last year. Jordan Zimmerman was two. I thought it should have been the other way around. I still think it should have been the other way around, but Dusty, I think is doing this for a reason. He knows that that third game of the season 
is opening day at Nationals Park, and he wants Max Scherzer to start opening day, and he wants Dusty Baker, or, and he wants God, and he wants Steven Strasburg to start opening day at Nats Park. And I think that those two things mean something. Um, and it's one of the things that has just really brought me around on, on, uh, on Dusty Baker's manager. He just, he gets those things. Yeah. Yeah. I like uh, it. I, so I, I wanted to bring that up because I think it's going to be really cool that on opening day at Nance Park, uh, Steven Strasburg's could get that start. I think that's awesome. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to say on that. You can, you can pick up back on health and move on to your next thing. Um, well, uh, my next thing is basically what are we going, what can we reasonably expect out of Worth and Rendon? In 2014, Worth and Rendon were both phenomenal players. In 2015, by war, they were probably the biggest drop-off players in baseball in terms of year-to-year decline. Um, Rendon, obviously, huge health issues. Worth, obviously, health and age issues. Um, What do we expect from those players? I mean... Rendon is young, but health has obviously been his bugaboo for the yeah. whole time. Uh, and Worth is 37? Yeah, I mean, he'll be 37 this season. Uh, his, it's his age 37 year, as as we say. Um, I think that Worth, what you have to expect from Jason Worth at this point in his career is is – success when he's in there yeah but without expecting to play 140 games yeah i really think that's the key with jason worth i think yeah he can be a really productive player he's obviously not going to be a six win player very few players are uh at that age without the use of performance enhancing drugs um see the early 2000s yeah uh, for evidence um but you can absolutely be a very valuable contributing member of the team for a hundred games for sure at, at that age. And I think that's going to be the key number, uh, getting the off day a week, getting the two off days a week. Yeah. Two, I think two off days a week. I mean, especially with the way Michael A. Taylor is playing. Good exactly. Lord. Yeah. Um, and that's where the benefit of Michael A. Taylor really shines is he could be on that bench, but when you can, if you're looking at that lineup, and this is, I think, last year, a lot of what should have happened with Danny Espinosa that didn't happen when he was hitting so hot that he should have been playing five days a week at third base and at shortstop and at second base and in left field. But instead of that happening, he regressed into nothing because he played a half a day a week. Yeah. Uh, I think this is where Michael A. Taylor's value could really come. He could play two days a week for Jason Worth. He could play a day a week for Ben Revere. He could play a day a week for, you know, a day every week and a half or so for Bryce Harper to give him an occasional day off to every two weeks for Bryce Harper uh, to keep him healthy and MVP caliber. And all of a sudden you're getting, you're getting him four starts a week and maybe a pinch running or defensive replacement kind of thing in left field at the end of the game for Jason Worth. Yeah. Uh, or center field and moving Revere to left, which would be even better. Mm-hmm. And he's then Taylor is making an impact. You're still getting the benefit, which there is a net benefit of having Jason Worth in your lineup. Oh, not just for his on-field performance, but for his leadership in the club. One hundred percent on the field. One hundred percent. Um, he he's one of those cliche goes about the game the right way guys. Yeah. Um, but you have to look at he had almost 400 plate appearances last year and was one of 24 negative 
war players in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Um, it, you have to take that into account for a player who's entering his age 37 season. Um, with, with two years left making a boatload of money, you have to preserve him where you can. And luckily, the Nationals are in a place with their outfield where they can do that. It's why they went after Jason Hayward last year, uh, last offseason, and why they uh, went out and got Ben Revere. They obviously needed a center fielder, but they needed the outfield depth. And don't forget about Matt Dendecker, who could make an impact as well. Yeah, I like Matt He's, he's there. And, and under club control forever. Forever. Um, now, Anthony Rendon, he still managed 355 plate appearances last year. That's higher than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and whereas in almost 700 plate appearances the year before, or twice the plate appearances, 6.5 war. In half the plate appearances in 15, 0. 0.9. Yeah. I, we have to try and attribute this to health and that he had to get his – uh, Rendon get his groove back a little bit, but man, that's that's a really stark drop from what the three point two. If you even just split it in half, yeah, um, that's. I mean, his slugging percentage went down over hundred points. Yeah, I I think you have to attribute that a lot to help because didn't he come back and then leave and come back like expanded? It's entirely possible. Um, and if not, I think. It was a things aren't going well. We have to get you back in the lineup, so you're going to get back in the lineup now. Um, we don't have of, a choice. Yeah, kind of situation. Um, and don't forget, I think a huge factor for Endone is he's going to be the everyday third baseman this year. There's no Unel Escobar. There's no confusion. Anthony Rendon is going to play third base every day as long as he's healthy. Yes, third um, base, not second. Yeah, he, Anthony Rendon is not a second baseman. The only reason he played second base in his rookie season was because Ryan Zimmerman was still playing third base because they had la- and only because they had Adam LaRoche. Yeah. Um, so I think that Rendon playing third base every day, uh, first of all, will be an easier position on him in general with his footwork and everything. Most of his injuries have been lower body related. So I think, yes. that, will be, I think that will be good. Um, and if he could stay healthy, he probably has the fastest bat on the team. Um, I know Bryce Harper has a quick bat as well, but Rendon's is a very direct to the ball, uh, high contact kind of bat. And um, I think that if Rendon can stay healthy, and I think that he can um, with, again, A, this new training staff, and B, this uh, – playing third base every day and no competition for that at all. Yeah. Uh, I think that he can go back to his, you know, maybe not 2014 top five MVP, but top 10, I could see Anthony Rendon getting back there. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. He's young enough. Uh, I think he's definitely talented enough. So. Yeah, I, I think so. Well, I mean, he is a, I saw somebody tweet out, it might have been our, you know, our very own Andrew Flax, but it could have been somebody else as well, uh, talking about the ridiculousness of the fact that in back-to-back drafts, the Nats, or the Nats draft, was it back-to-back that they drafted Rendon and Giolito? Uh, it's entirely possible. As like number six and 18 picks, because Mike Rizzo knows how to take a risk, and, and if, if it pays off more than half the time and you get guys like Giolito and Rendon, it's worth it, and I think that more often than not, Rendon's going to have those years, but you knew when you drafted him that he had some injury-prone years. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but 
I think part of minimizing those injury prone years is playing one position. Yes. That like when you move from one side of the infield to the other, uh, it, it makes a big difference. Uh, so I, I look forward to seeing Rendon playing every day. And I think that he can get back to a top 10 MVP form. What do you think? Um, I think it all depends on how the team does. And that sounds stupid, but it's kind of how it goes. I mean, you can't really... Not everybody can have Bryce Harper's 2016, exactly. 2015 who carries a team. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But if the Nationals are a division-winning team and Rendon puts up 2014 numbers, you know, 287, 351, 473, then, yeah, yeah he's going to be in the conversation depending on what Bryce Harper does. But uh, I think it all kind of depends on how well the team's doing. So, Yeah, I think so too. But that's a lot of it. When you have a, a team that's getting more veteran, the, the Mets right now are where the Nationals were in 12 and 13. They are really young. They have a couple of, of important veteran pieces like David Wright, who's unfortunately you know, got the injury issues uh, and even Cespedes at this point is obviously a, you know, a veteran presence there, but you also have a lot of really young guys um, to succeed. So the health is not as big a deal with the nationals. Health is a big deal. If the guys play, you're going to win a lot because they've been there, they've done it and they're, they're very good. Uh, but it's just a matter of keeping guys on the field. And I think that when you look at a nationals lineup of, uh, at top of a lineup, which includes uh, Revere and Murphy and Harper and and Zimmerman and Worth and uh, you know it's good, it's a good lineup. <laughs> so uh, it has it, it's got potential. Yeah, it's just can they stay healthy and, and remain effective? Yeah. Um, does Trey Turner make the team because of Davy Lopes? No, not on opening day. No. Uh, I think that he needs to um, – I think they believe he needs some more at-bats. He's kind of proven that at every level that he's at, he needs a few weeks of at-bats before he gets comfortable. He never got that in 2015. Even and, with the incredibly disappointing performance of Danny Espinosa? Espinosa's been bad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no way around it. Um but Espinosa has to make the team or he's not on the team. Um, so I think Espinosa makes the team because when you start looking at – you could make an argument that Turner makes the team but because they need another middle infielder. But then who do you start? So I guess it's possible. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I still lean towards no, but – it's not out of, the, out of the realm, right? Yeah, what, I, think what do you think? I, think, I think it's much more in the realm of possibility um, than it was two weeks ago even, just because we've seen a lot of game action now and we're seeing how much Dusty Baker is really pushing the run game. The run game is pretty, pretty fun. I mean, when you got Davey Lopes there, he's teaching yeah. the players how to actually steal bases and they're stealing them with relative ease because – more and more teams are looking at catchers uh, for their pitch framing. Whereas for 
eternity for the in, since the inception of baseball, uh, they've looked at which catcher has the best arm, and now it's which can frame the best. Yeah. So arm has become secondary. So these players are really starting to take advantage of learning about a pitcher, what their uh, what their tells are, whether they're going to throw over or not. So the Nationals have really taken advantage. I don't have the numbers in front of me uh, right now. Uh, let me see. The Nationals have 12, 20, 27, 28 stolen bases so far uh, in spring training with a grand total of three caught stealings. And that's, that's, more, than, that's more than a stolen base a, a game. Yes, and if... To be an elite base runner, to be like literally elite, one of the best in the game, you need to be over eighty percent. And there, what is what is that? That's that's twenty eight out of thirty one. Yeah, that's insane. So uh, that's a that's a ninety percent stolen base percentage. Yeah, and two of those three caught stealings are Ben Revere. Yeah, Trey Turner six stolen yeah. bases. Well, Trey Turner has, uh, you know, he has 75 speed. I mean, he's maybe, got maybe good speed. Uh, maybe our friend Nat's GM can help us out with that one. Yeah. Uh, who should throw a little extra firefly in his lemonade? But, I know, dude. Pink uh, lemonade, too? Really? Hey, I've got nothing wrong with a little pink lemonade, just a little extra firefly. All right, fine, all right. Uh, last time I had firefly, spring training. True story. Very nice. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, you remember. Oh, uh, I don't know how I remember, but I hey, you know what? I made it. Mm. Um, but I I think that he could he could obviously have a base path impact. I don't think his bat impact is there, and I think that he needs to be ready to be a leadoff player when he is playing every day. Uh, you don't see a point to them having him there if he's not starting. I n- not if he's not getting. Not not if he's not getting 15 at-bats a week. No, I don't. I I think he needs to get 15 at-bats a week, uh, at least. I think he needs to play on the regular, which he will obviously get in the minors because uh, he's going to start at AAA and it doesn't matter what team he's on. Um, so I wouldn't hate seeing him start at AAA in April. Um, the only question is, who is your middle infield insurance? Uh Otherwise, that's 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 my one question. I I, I don't know who uh, who the middle infield insurance is. I mean, maybe maybe Stephen Drew makes the club. That's probably the best option. Uh, but yeah, I, I think definitely it's going to be Stephen Drew, just because he's been so good this spring. Yeah, and I mean, to be a backup, you kind of just need. Good defense. Especially in the middle infield, and he's got that in spades. He's got the phenomenal defense, and I believe he's hitting over 300 for the spring so far with a little pop, which is super surprising. So, I mean, you ride the hot the hot veteran hand in a guy like Stephen Drew and as a backup to Espinosa, and if Espinosa really, really, really struggles, then, you know, Drew is, you know, the first guy to get cut or – uh, you know, you you figure out what you want to do with Espinosa, and you bring up Turner up to start when he's got some at bats. But I'd really like to see him get Turner get starts at Triple A. I'm not saying all year. I'm saying like until May. I'd I'd really like to see him get a start against 
some quality AAA pitching, and 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 have him have him see a little junk before he he comes up to the major league level. Because I think when Turner hits the major league level, he should be hitting first or second. Okay, I like it. I like it. That's what. What do you think on that? Do you do you think he makes the team or no? Um. Uh, I don't think he does, but if he does, it would not surprise me. Yeah, I don't think it would surprise me if he does. I just I would like to see him get a, a, a few more at bats against some some quad A pitchers with some like I said with a with a hook and a whatever to see if he can get his vision up a little bit before he comes up to the major league level and 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 is leading off against the likes of you know Jake Degrom. Okay, uh, that, yeah, that's. That that's just my thought, but I I mean I think he's the future leadoff hitter for this team. Nice. I don't think there's any question in my mind that he has the bat to make contact and he's real fast. So he is quite fast. Even if his on base percentage isn't you know three seventy leading off, you know what? If it's three forty and he's hitting two ninety and he's stealing forty bases a year, you know what? That's fine with me. I like <laughs> it. That's fine with me. So. Uh, anything else on, on, uh, Turner? Uh, no, we've, we've, we're rocking it. I like it. I like, I mean, we're, we're saying we're rocking it, whether we are or not. You know what? It's fine. Or our, our listeners can tell us if we're, we are in fact rocking it. That's right. Um, so you want to talk a little more about Michael A or have we talked enough about Michael A? No, he's really good. And yeah. Yeah, he's having a phenomenal spring, and he's making everyone take notice. So that's cool. Yeah, I think that's that's a big part for him is just kind of being like, I'm here. Don't don't forget about me. I'm going to be a big deal for you guys, and I, I think that's going to be true. Um, he's obviously been huge, but this one I know came from my uh, my dear colleague and associate managing editor of the Uh Andrew Flax said, yeah, this is all great and he's doing well, but he's still striking out 26% of the time. And I don't think that's an invalid point. Um, But I'm okay with the strikeouts if it means 25 home runs and hitting 280. Yeah. As long as he's not leading off. With defense. (laughs) With defense, because he provides significant defense. Right. He is... He is much better in center field. And by much better, I mean much better than Ben Revere <laughs> yeah. in center field. It's so, easy to tolerate a bad bat with good defense. I mean, we've said this how many times about the middle infield? I mean, yeah, exactly. Even when, when Danny Espinosa was struggling majorly, it was like, get him in there because the defense that he provides is going to. Uh, more than make up for the bat. It's gonna get you. It's gonna get you more wins than than not uh, so, in that situation. And I think and, Michael A. Taylor, you know, even two sixty with you know eighteen home runs, that's phenomenal for Mr. I Taylor. agree. I to- I totally agree. I, I think that uh, he could make a a significant impact uh, with with the defense. And I, I mean, I don't think there's any question at this point that he makes the team personally. No, I agree. I, I, I think that he's a he is a mortal lock. To I think your backup outfielders are Den Decker and Michael A. Taylor. Good bet. Yep. I, I, we don't have this on the list, but I just want to hit the point real quick. Yeah. Is there any chance at all that Michael A. Taylor doesn't get released at the end of spring training or put on waivers? Mm. Or I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ah, Tyler Moore. 
Tyler oh, Horton. wow, wow. Uh, oh, I think there's definitely a chance. You think he makes the team? Um, oh, you said if I thought there was a chance he makes – he gets oh, put on waivers. No, that he would not be put on. Oh, uh, God, your questioning is confusing. Yeah, sorry. I Double negatives. What? Um, yeah, uh, I think there's definitely a chance he gets released or put on waivers. I think he gets put on waivers. I, I don't think there's any any doubt about it. The, the caveat being, as we talked about last episode, is Ryan Zimmerman on the opening day roster. Yes. Ryan Zimmerman's on the opening day uh, is is starts on opening day for the Nationals. Then Tyler Moore is no longer on the team or gets put through waivers and is in AAA. One, I mean, I don't think there's much question about that. You know, I um, honestly don't think there's going to be many places for him. Uh, if he gets placed on waivers, I think there's a with with a million dollar contract, which is what I think he has. I I don't know that he gets picked up. Yeah, I don't know he gets picked up because he hasn't done it. Yeah, he hasn't been a he's major league flashes, player but he's not he's not done it he's shown phenomenal flashes they've been great oh yeah but yeah. they haven't lasted more than a couple games yeah and he and in fairness to him he mostly hasn't had an opportunity to play multiple games in a row at the same position in his whole career but when you're approaching 30 and that's been your career you've got to adjust for that and if he can't then he can't um he's he's kind of he's better than but he's kind of hitting chris Marrero territory of oh, like, very nice. Can only play one position, and he's blocked at that position, and he doesn't hit well enough for a first baseman to really play anywhere. That's a, that's Chris Marrero to a T. Yeah. I mean, Chris Marrero was a fine player, but he was blocking the organization, and he wasn't a good enough first baseman to catch on anywhere else for a million dollars. So I, I feel like Tyler Moore is kind of hitting that territory, unfortunately, yeah. for him. Without the first-round pick. Yeah, obviously. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Deep deep burn, Jim Bowden. Yeah. Um so we can talk about Nationals Park naming rights. We can talk about anything. We really spent a lot of time on that stuff, which was it was it was good good stuff. It was good. So let's uh, actually we've got a question about uh, Nats Park naming rights from Beard. So let's let's talk about another thing that I definitely didn't talk about an hour ago, which was uh while while Craig was dealing with technical difficulties that oh wait 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 that were totally my fault there it is yeah uh so <laughs> <laughs> uh we we talked about effectively wild uh, a little bit before but if you haven't listened to the 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 nats preview podcast they put out this week you definitely should check it out because it's excellent um but on that note uh chelsea james from the washington post talked about uh jonathan papelbon as a clubhouse leader for the nationals um which I know will catch a lot of people by surprise uh, because fans have certainly developed an opinion about Jonathan Papelbon. And from a fan's perspective, I don't think that that is wrong. And if you don't like him, I can hardly blame you as a person if you don't like him. However, I don't think it's players in the public playing lip service, the fact that they actually like Papelbon and while they disagreed with how he dealt with a particular set of terrible circumstances at the end of the 2015 season, they basically were like, yeah, that's kind of who he is though. And it's kind of what we like about him. And he leads pitchers and he helps teach guys pitches and he's out keeping people, people accountable. And again, he dealt with it in a very, very wrong way, but that's kind of all he was doing with Harper is keeping him in account accountable trying to get a guy to play hard even though the team was a total train wreck um and so i thought it was interesting that uh chelsea james basically was like i'm 
in that I w- I've been in that clubhouse a lot and, and guys are looking to Papelbon for advice. Papelbon has taken a huge interest in Gio Gonzalez. It's pretty impar- apparent going into the season. And I don't think that's bad. No, I don't think it's bad. Uh, also, Joe Ross. Yeah. Which um, came, her, he taught him a slider, right? Yeah, uh, split. Splitter, okay. Um, great interview today uh, by uh, Masson Colco uh, on the broadcast, uh, who can eat the hell out of some Lucky Charms, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, they were just hanging out, riding in the car, and uh, Papelbon was like, yeah, uh, Kurt Schilling taught me this splitter. Uh, let me teach it to you. So, uh, Joe... Joe Ross learning a fourth pitch, which if you can throw an above an average to above average four pitches, you are going to be dominant. Oh yeah. So uh Papelbon, you don't have to like him, and I don't I don't like I don't like who he is at, off the baseball field. It doesn't seem like he's a guy that I would want to have a beer with personally. No, no, he has a very low beer ability. Yes. Um, however, however, the clubhouse likes him. Yeah. He, he, and you know, I can honestly respect about him that you know who Jonathan Papelbon is. He pulls no punches about about that. Honestly, no. <laughs> he is who he is, and you can like him or not. And I choose not to like him. He is not a person that I would be interested in being friends with or whatever. But there is something to be said about someone that doesn't hide who they are. And yep. he doesn't, and the players seem to respond to that. And I'm these issues that happened at the end of last season happened. They were over, according to everyone involved, that day, which is great. He got suspended, which he deserved to be. Yep. Um and bygones have become bygones. And yep. as of now, he's a teammate. He's helping out. He is uh, pushing the players. And by you, all accounts, you, well. I mean, people are, are appreciating the fire that, you know, they know what he is and they're appreciating it. Even, even guys from Philadelphia kind of were quoted in articles that I've read that were like, you know, yeah, Pavelbon and I bumped heads. But honestly, it was because he wanted more out of me. Yeah. You know, he, he's not this like evil sadistic person. Now he may, like I said, he may go about things the the wrong way sometimes, but you know, the, if the players in the clubhouse like him and it seems like they genuinely do, why, yeah. why do I care? And go, the, go win baseball games. The thing that I want to mention personally is, I mean, I I've talked a lot in the past about how, utterly boring players like Mike Trout and Ryan Zimmerman are. Yeah. Like, and Derek Jeter, just nothing, just nothing quotes. Jonathan Papelbon is not a nothing quote. Yeah. I may not like what he has to say all the time. Yep. But he is personality and that's something that should be encouraged. It's what, it's what Bryce Harper was talking about. And then, you know, guys like Chris Bryant came back and say, yeah, you know, have a personality and, you know, Harper's quote of basically, you know, if I beat you and hit a 500-foot home run, you know, and I'm going to take an extra second to watch it. And if you beat me and make me look stupid, you stare me into the dugout. And you know what? Yes. That's fine. That's fine. You beat me. I'll get you next time. Yep. And I think there should be more 
more feeling like that in baseball. Yeah, it kind of goes into the uh, huh, the wonderful Goose Gossage thing of the oh, past yeah, week, well. and the the great uh, what was it? Who was it? Ken Rosenthal that wrote something about Harper. I don't know. I don't know. There was a great uh, piece. about Rosenthal, it, or it was either Rosenthal or it was Passan. I don't remember. Okay, that. there was that great. There was a great ESPN piece on Bryce Harper in the past week and a half, and there was a great piece um, that was pretty much like Harper said, "Baseball is boring," which he's not wrong. There needs to be more excitement. There needs to be less of that and goose gossage in his eternal awfulness. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty much was old man yelling at clouds. <laughs> um, You're not wrong. Yeah. I, 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 I will try not to complain about Papelbon's quotes and everything. I don't want him to choke people, but I yeah. think that's a pretty reasonable explanation. Uh, expectation. I, I, um, I, I cut my line at assault. Please don't. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate that he will say what's on his mind because I think that should be respected, even if I don't agree with it. I agree because I want to see more players saying what they really believe, even if it's dumb as shit. Yeah. I, because that's what brings personality into the whole world it's more interesting <laughs> yeah it makes it makes baseball more interesting and yeah. why are we not striving for that heroes and villains yep it, it, we should strive for for fun that's what baseball should be that's yeah. how you get people to watch it more bat flips i saw a video today on deadspin wow. of a four-year-old doing a bat flip and it was awesome that's amazing and it's one of my favorite things during the season of what cespedes family barbecue do Oh yeah, just just bat here. flips on bat flips. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, okay, so the one thing I pulled up about Ross, you were talking about his, you know, if he puts a fourth pitch, then it's amazing, and I completely agree. Especially when his fastball velocity average is a little above ninety three. Oh, that's uh, not bad. It's really, and and he's got ten mile an hour difference on his on his slider. I mean, he can he can be an elite level pitcher once he actually figures it all out. So, um, I. I really want to see that happen nice. <laughs> desperately. Um, uh, Lucas Giolito uh, going to minor league camp is certainly not surprising with a week left in the year. Uh, when do you expect we see Giolito this year? I think it's going to be earlier than we want. Because injury? Injury. I, if you look at the, the depth chart, who is the sixth starter? Uh, Taylor Hill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's really it. If that's given the option between Taylor Hill and Lucas Giolito, I mean, what's... I mean, Espe what does Giolito have to learn in the minors, to be honest? I mean, isn't Giolito right now better than Tanner Roark? Yes. And Joe Ross? Yes. And maybe even Gio Gonzalez? Yeah, I don't know about Gio yet. Um, but definitely, I mean, I mean, he's not, he's not a lefty, but he is good. Definitely the other two. Um, and I think that with the, the fact that you're even thinking about, is he better than Gio Gonzalez? Yeah. Like yeah. that's even a consider that's even a conversation worth having. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Giolito could make the opening day roster. And I think he would succeed, 
But there are monetary and Bingo. year so considerations, if, of course. If that injury happens after the middle of May. Yeah. After the window for Super 2. Whatever. Yeah. Then, then Giolito is your call-up. Absolutely. No question. Because by then he's had six starts at, in the, at the minor league level. Oh, yeah. Those at, six at, starts, he's going to learn a lot. Yeah. I mean. Because he sure doesn't know how to throw a freaking hammer. Yeah. His already. is gross. He's disgusting. Um, it's so no, I, I, I legitimately And he's done long spring training against he's started he has started games, away games where teams have put in their top lineup and he has carved them up. Yes. That's why I think like he is this is sounding ridiculous. I think he's a step below Strasbourg, but a step, not five. Well, I think that that's what the Nationals if they can't Resign Strasburg in the off season. I think that's what they're hoping. Oh, I think, I think that's absolutely that's, what he's there for. He's going to re- he's going to replace Strasburg. He's going to be the new number two. Yeah, and I don't think the Nationals will resign Strasburg, but that's for <sighs> long down the road. But yeah, Giolito, right? Giolito's there, um, and he's phenomenal. But I think right now he's the third best pitcher they have. Yeah, and oh yeah, I I. Uh, long term or right now? I think right now. I still think Geo's better. Uh, I don't know, man. I he, still think Geo's better. I think right, right today been more consistent. Uh, but Gio, we can't really I think the twenty-one-year-old has been more consistent than but the veteran. We, we can't really know that though. He's he's made like a handful of starts above high A. It's my opinion. Yeah. No. I. 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 You might be right. Yeah. But I, I don't know that we can possibly know that yet, that right. he's better. And I, I think that Geo, I think Geo gets a bad rap. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that Geo deserves more than he gets. I think that he is a top three pitcher on almost every team in baseball. And uh, his hair right now is... Is the flow, point. the flow is amazing. Yeah, so it's his amazing. hair is better than Giolito. Although, baking spell, skills, not close. We're, we're going to get there. Okay. We're going to get there. Because we're having a we, long show tonight, folks. We're having a, well, I mean, not really, but... A long two shows tonight. <laughs> long show and a half. Let's call it a show and a half. I like it. Um, so, about a week ago, I feel like... Uh, Is anyone still listening? Is anyone out there yeah, still listening? Uh, quite, uh, quite a few folks still... Uh, okay, good. Tuning good. In. About a week ago, uh, Mike Lyburn, I hope... Uh, Lilburn? Lilburn, maybe. I, I like Lilburn. Um asked about Danny Espinosa and I favorited it because I wanted to make sure I brought it up. Um, at the time he said, when do we start panicking, panicking about Danny over 17 love his defense, but that leaves uh, more to be desired. Um, I think the day that he tweeted that Danny went two for three. And I was kind of like, that's fun. But there, we talked about it a little bit, so I don't want to spend too much time about it, but I wanted to mention the question. Um, it's, it's something to be concerned about. I mean, you have to look at it and say, I haven't watched a lot of spring games, to be totally honest, but a lot of things that I've been reading is that he's looked bad. His swing has looked bad. Uh, His first hit obviously came from the right side of the plate uh, where he's always been stronger. And he even played with only hitting from the right side last season because he was in that situation. So, and I think it's one of the things that Matt Williams really did for Danny Espinosa was helped figure a swing out. Uh, and I think he needs Rick Shue and, and Dusty to help him out there. Hopefully he figures it out. His defense is a pa- 
is a net positive to a point, especially when you have a guy like uh, Daniel Murphy, whose bat is a net positive, but defense is not. Um, but it's something to be concerned about. Do you have anything else to add about that? Um, this is, uh, I'm coming from a place that Joe does not understand yet. Uh, Danny Espinoza is going to becoming a father. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. His mind is in 500 different places right now. And yeah. it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give him a little slack because that's a big deal. His wife is pregnant and they're, I believe having a son. I don't know. I think it's, I think, I think it's a son. Uh, He and Sarah are pregnant and it's wonderful and I'm really happy for him, but it's a big deal. uh, Learning to, that you're becoming a parent uh, to a living thing that you're going to have to take care of. Um, are so, you are you alluding to Ian Desmond uh Papa strength like when he would have a kid in the middle of the season then would explode defensively? Yes. Or offensively, excuse a me. A little bit. I mean, that's definitely part of it. Uh and I mean, I think Ryan Zimmerman's having another as well. Yes, he is having another. Um but I think that there's a mental aspect that goes in everything where you realize that your life is going to be completely different from that point on. Um and it kind of gets in your head and you kind of get all over the place for a little bit. So that could very well be happening with Danny Espinosa because we need to always, always, always try and remember that ball players are people too. Yeah. They're, they have human things happening. They have human things and health issues and family issues and everything. For sure. But you know, you, you, you still have to, you still have to be able to play for your team. I so. think he will. I think he will. Oh. And it's spring. So I have all <laughs> faith in Danny Espinosa. The year that Drew Storen had 40-something saves, he had like a 15 ERA in spring training. So I, I don't put a whole lot of stack into spring training. And then there was a year that like that Mike Morris, I think, hit like 400 in spring training and hit nothing for his first two months of the year. God, so, I loved Michael Morris. Yeah. Uh, what's not to love? Good dude. All right. Next question, because this is going to be the longest podcast we've had in a while. Uh, I love- I'm for it. How's the battle? Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, Mike Munson asks, uh, how's the battle for shortstops shaping up? When might we see Giolito in DC, which we hit? And is Craig joining the bullpen, which it leads to another question that Mike asks, uh, which is ask Craig about his fastball, which I want nice. to. Uh, so battle for shortstops shaping up on the same note. Does it Danny Espinosa start opening date shortstop or does Trey Turner or does somebody else? I guess, but really one of those two. Barring injury, it's Danny Espinoza. Um, uh, so uh, talk a little bit about your killer fastball, Craig. Why don't gosh. you take take 30 seconds to talk talk about yourself? Oh, God, this is awful. <laughs> uh, I was at the Clubhouse Social last week. Thank you very much to Valerie with the Nationals and the entire national organization uh, for inviting little old me into the Clubhouse to – you know, do things and drink and eat and be merry, essentially. Um, we had a fastest pitch competition uh, of everyone there, and I had the fastest pitch somehow. Suck it, Johan. This is the question uh, I want to ask you. Yes. How is it possible that you threw a bell faster than Johan? Yeah. Uh, I don't understand. you that don't know at NLB – NL Beast Nats uh, high school pitching coach um, didn't throw as hard as I did. And he says he let up on it and wants a rematch. 
Uh, of course he wants a rematch, and he can have a rematch, but I am not giving up my prize. I'm happy to lose the rematch, <laughs> but I'm not giving up my 2013 team-signed bat that I got for it. And um, if I remember correctly, he did not blame you for that, but he no. just wants a, re- he wants a rematch for pride. No, that's fine. I, I have none, so because I don't honestly, have any to lose. I had no... like. When I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense that Craig... And then I saw Johan being like, yeah, I was there. And I was like, Craig threw faster than Johan? Yeah, I, <laughs> it was 62, and I... This sounds awful. I really wasn't gunning it. Like, my arm didn't hurt afterwards, which... <laughs> that's a sure sign that you, you know... But, yes. no, it didn't hurt afterwards, and um, so that's kind of weird, but... I would have been thrilled to break 50, yeah. so... But you know, uh, fastest pitch, the pretty cool, really cool experience throwing in the cages. In the bullpen, in right? Yeah, yeah, in uh, un- under the stadium. Yeah. Uh, in, short distance. In the annals of Nats Park, if you will. Yeah, short distance from the clubhouse, so... Very that was cool. really cool, but, uh, yeah, fastest pitch. This guy right here, happy to join the bullpen. I can locate... 70 on a good day. Fair enough. I used to be able to hit 80, but no longer, probably. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, really cool. Uh, so, officially at this point, because you would like to keep your shoulder intact, you are not joining the bullpen. That's I, I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. If but I you're, not, make... ooh, you're not in the best shape of your life, is what you're saying. Oh, well, I might be. <laughs> I mean, it's relative, really. Yeah, but you're not. I, I've known you. Yeah, that's true. Um, wow, Johan's tweeting probably angrily. Um, it's Beetlejuice. To what I'm saying. It's fine. Oh, nice. That's good. Uh, okay. Um, no, no, no. Hold on, real quick. I'm not done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh. I was gonna say something, but I totally forgot what it was. Good, because um, we're gonna move on because we're already over an hour. No, it's good. It's fine. Well, if if you include cumulative podcasting tonight, we're over like one twenty. So yeah, that's true. Uh, um, but no, I'm I'm happy to join. Oh, this is what I was gonna say. Uh, if I can make major league minimum for like a month, uh, I'm happy to throw sure. as hard as I can and sure. lose my shoulder for the rest of my life. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Beard wants to know who our dream sponsor to acquiring the name of Nats Park would be. That's which leads to what we were talking about before. Obviously, uh, you've probably heard if you're listening to the show that the Nationals are uh, are trying to sell rights to Nationals Park, so it will no longer be Nationals Park. It will be some sort of sponsored location. So, uh, if we could have our dream sponsor for, to acquire the naming rights of Nats Park, who would that be? Beer at Nats Park. <laughs> Can you just can you make some effort? Oh, okay. Uh, WB Mason. <laughs> yeah, that's a decent option, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I think it's going to be a local sponsor. I think there's a lot of local corporations around, yeah. um, especially in the uh, your world, Joe, uh, the government contracting world. That seems like a like a pretty likely set of circumstances. No, it just makes it just makes sense. I mean, DC is such a um, government slash military focused support city. Um, I really think it's going to be something uh, like Lidos, like which sponsors uh, DC United's jerseys. Uh, yeah, some something like that. Uh, Deloitte. Yeah, uh, something along those lines. Uh, PNC Bank, I believe, is uh, local. Uh, Capital One, uh, locally organized. So yeah, I think it's going to be something like that. 
Yeah. I think there's a chance that one, I think you're probably right in that. I think there's a chance that somebody like Geico gets involved. Uh, Geico. Yeah. That, Cause they sponsor a bunch of local teams. Uh, the one thing that I would like to see is uh, something uh, nationals park at Geico, you know, Geico field at nationals park. Yeah. You know? I, I would like to see something like that. Um, yeah. It, to me, you know, Nationals Park is the the team's been around for eleven years now. Uh, Nationals Park has been around for eight, and I feel like it's important to have a nod to the fact that this has been the team that's been here for a long time, and this is the this is what it was called. And I think for a long period of time, that's what people are going to call it anyway. Um, just like people still call whatever whatever they call Comiskey Comiskey. I really don't know what even where the White Sox play. I have no idea. Nice. What it's called. Um, Cause it's Comiskey to me. And I think that, uh, you know, AT&T park is certainly no candlestick, but uh, they changed fields. So it's a bit different. This is a brand new, relatively brand new ballpark. That is one of the better viewing experiences in major league baseball. No, you could say about uh, anything about whether or not it's the, the most beautiful ball ballpark inside a lot, a lot AT&T park or Wrigley or any of those, but uh, I think you have to have some sort of nod in there, but I have no problem with the sponsor, especially if it means a hundred million bucks a year to pad to sign Bryce Harper. So. Yeah, that sounds good. <clears throat> Moving along to more baseball-related questions because we're just going brutally long here. It's uh, wonderful. What should we realistically expecting from Bryce this year? Uh, Will asks us, WK side of Nats on Twitter. Um, I really don't think it's going to be uh, as amazing as it was last year, but it's going to be pretty freaking amazing. I think I mean, we're looking at another top five MVP finish, uh, obviously depending on how the Nats do this year. Uh, I don't think he's going to – destroy everyone but i think it's i think it's going to be a race but i think we're looking at a top three top five i think top three yeah that's what i was going to say i think top three i'm not going to guarantee that he's going to win um and it's almost impossible to imagine how he could be as good as last year because it was historically good yeah um, i mean hasn't mike trout not even won two consecutive mvp trophies yeah no i don't think yeah. he has so which is insanity um so this is a really important question. So I'm going to try and save that. Oh. Um, uh, Beard wants to know why we always record with a new episode of Arrow on. And my response is, I have no idea what Arrow is. What is Arrow? Like, honestly, I, I'm, I'm is this, trying. Is this like the Hunger Games? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what Arrow is. So if somebody could tell me, that'd be great. Because I've never heard of it. So uh, Fang asks, what I'm guessing it's a CBS procedural or some yeah, short. It's possible. Uh, Fang wants to know what holiday do you wish took place during baseball season and why? Uh, I think opening day is better than Christmas. It is a very good day. Uh, opening so day awesome. opening day is probably great. my favorite holiday. S- excuse me. Second favorite holiday. Thanksgiving, obviously. Obviously Thanksgiving because I'm a fat guy. Yeah. So I do not want baseball to happen during Thanksgiving because I just want to focus on the food. Oh yeah. Um, 
I don't know if there's any other day that ex- any other holiday that exists that I wish happened during baseball season. To be no, honest with you, I don't think there is because I've got, I've got everything is perfect. I've got baseball. Independence Day. I've it's got perfect. Labor Day, Memorial Day. I've got the whole shebang. Yeah. I, so, I, uh, nothing. Nothing is my answer. Yeah. Uh, Jessica uh, at Nats just wants to know what we want to see Lucas Giolito bake next. Um, what would I like to see him bake next? Peanut I butter, think peanut butter pie. Peanut butter pie. Peanut butter pie. I, I think that. maybe a chess, like a, a chess pie. A chess pie, or maybe a derby pie. Oh, a derby pie. A derby pie. Okay, there you go. Who's in love with derby pie? Derby pie. Fan um, wants to know okay. which sport has the best preseason and which sport has the worst preseason and why. Best baseball, worst every other sport ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, So best is baseball um, because of what it is. I don't know. There's something special about it. It's like in two different locations. Everybody goes to the exact same spot. And- yes. This is, this is what's crazy about baseball. There is there are two sites in America where you go for baseball yeah. during this during preseason. It's pretty amazing. Like and you can go and people make pilgrimages. Yeah. Like, we did several years in a row. Yes. Yeah. You go specifically for this one thing and it benefits the local economy an incredible amount. Uh in both Florida and Arizona. It's it's really unbelievable what it actually is. And if you think about any other sport, I mean, when you think of NFL preseason, you see a starter for a quarter. Yeah. Then you see the backup for two quarters. Then you see me for the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much what it is. And no one cares. Everyone spends all of the money and is gone by the second quarter. And then you have NHL. What's NHL, you know, preseason? Do you even know? I mean, I'm guessing it's games, but no it's, one gives it's, a... It's games, and I'm, I'm not even sure the NBA has one. No one gives a good damn. Yeah. Spring training is special. It's, it's a different kind of feel to it. Uh, yeah, so the, the worst, I was going to say the NBA, because I'm not entirely sure they actually have one. I know they do, but I've never seen a game. So I've seen a hockey game, and pre, NFL preseason as whatever. So... Um, yeah, I uh, baseball is the best. And it's that, baseball. It's no question. It's yeah. not even I'm speaking close. from a position of bias, admittedly. However, it's baseball. Because, it's not even close. Because of what it is. Yeah. Uh, fans flock to the game. Like you said, they flock to the game. They flock. Nobody does that for There is legit flocking action. There's fl- Hashtag flocking action. The worst. Uh, Mike, Mike also asks, is Blake Trinan's absurd spring training ERA a mirage or evidence he's turned a corner? Spring training ERAs are always a mirage. However, I still believe Blake can be legit. Uh, I think he can definitely be legit. I think part of it is that he has some experience under his belt now, and he's learned how to pitch yeah. instead of how to throw. Yeah, it, it's and location of pitches. Mike Maddox has obviously helped out with his changeup, apparently. And if he can get if he can get a really he ha- doesn't have a really good second pitch. If he can get a really good second pitch. Um, let alone a third, just a really good second pitch besides a 98-mile-an-hour sinker. Um, he's going to be a legitimate force at the back of the, the Nationals' bullpen. Uh, and I, I said that last year. I still believe that it's true. Absolutely. Um, for sure. And, apparent, and, and Beard tells us apparently Arrow 
uh, is uh, the Green Arrow from the comics, and it's a CW show. So look at that. I had no idea that was a thing. Is CW like the WB? It's the WB. Okay. Uh, oh, God, I almost missed the most important question. Beard asked, what is the best Easter candy? This oh, is the Jesus. question that created all of the buzz on the Nats Talk on the Go Twitter account. This is the hot take of the century from it, many people. God, please don't say the wrong thing. Wow. What, because what I am I supposed you. to say? It's, it's got to be Reese's egg, right? What? Come on. It's Cadbury cream egg, dude. Dude, they're weird. It is so good. So uh, he asked this question, and immediately uh, 70K's at, re- replied, it's the cream egg, which obviously is the case. The cream egg is the best. Now, Reese's egg, amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's oh, the- yeah, for sure. Also, I dig on an Easter jelly bean. They're phenomenal. Wow. They are phenomenal. But Cadbury cream egg is the only answer to that question. It's Reese's egg, actually. God, Reese's egg is good. But Cadbury cream egg, I'm sticking with it. Wow. Uh, because I, I love a Cadbury cream egg. I, I buy like one a year because it's just like, it's, it's disgustingly sugary. Wow. Um, I did not think you were going to say just that. I thought you were going to go pretty hardcore. No, I love a Cadbury cream egg, dude. I have, I've got nothing else. Also, peeps are disgusting. So, you know, I just had to add that little hot take to my, wow. to my, to my thing. I think they're gross. So, that's okay, that. that's the answer to the most important question of the podcast. And yeah. this, are, this has been the longest podcast ever. So thank you for sticking with us. For those of you who, are, who have stuck with us from part one, thank you. Uh, you got an exclusive because that's going away. Yeah, that's uh, going to be deleted shortly uh but thanks for tuning in to episode 113 lucky number 113 of uh nat's talk on the go we appreciate it and we will talk to you guys next week for our big next reveal. week big reveal hashtag fun. thanks for listening to nat's talk on the go for more information check us out on the web at www.natstalkonthego.com or contact the guys at Nats Talk on the Go on Twitter. If you like what you heard, take a minute to rate the podcast on iTunes and help us spread the word. See you next time. Go Nats!